0: Welcome back to We Are the Batman. I'm Mike.
1: And this is Matthew. It's
0: the last Friday of July, which means it's time for another Batman breakdown. Where we break down the next live action Batman movie uh, in the calendar. And we are up to our third one, which or fourth one, which means now it's time for us to talk about Batman Forever, which came out in uh, the year 1995, starring Val Kilmer, Nicole Kidman, Chris O'Donnell, Emily Jones, Jim Carrey directed by Joel Schumacher, who replaced Tim Burton. Um, this this is the first uh, live action Batman movie I saw in theaters. Uh, I had seen Mask of the Phantasm, but the other two had come out. I was too young to see the other two when they
1: came out. So um,
0: <laughs> so uh, once again, just just emphasizing the fact that I'm younger than Matthew. Uh, much, so,
1: much younger than
0: Matthew. Um, <laughs> it's not that young. Uh, But before we get into
1: that, um, uh, Matt, how you doing? I'm doing okay. July's been an interesting month. Had a a decent couple days out of town that was cool. But other than that, it just seems to be kind of uh, just balls to the wall, jumping from one thing to another, to another, to another, to another. And it's just like, man, I hope August August is at least three or four days of chill. But that does not seem to be... What's gonna happen? <laughs> we, could mental, we, could, we could use a mental
0: health day, is what we're getting at. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's 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 been a busy month, but we're here. And uh, I rewatched this movie just a couple of days ago uh, in preparation for talking about it because it occurred to me, Matt. I don't think I had seen this movie if I'm being honest with myself in probably twenty years. Okay, because like i saw it in theaters and i was i was a kid when in 95 i was six years old so saw it in theaters and at six years old if it's got batman in it i'm into it yeah it does i i don't have a concept of what a good or bad movie is uh so loved it mom bought me the vhs watched it constantly but once batman and robin came out i was watched that one all the time because i was eight when that movie came out or (laughs) eight or nine. Um, but then honestly, once Batman begins, comes out in 2005, I, what reason is there to ever watch any other Batman movie once Batman begins comes out? Uh, so, so it's probably, and I was 1415 when Batman begins came out. So it's been 20 years, probably conservatively since I've seen Batman forever. What about you?
1: Um, (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I think people who've listened to this thing and you know that I actually have like some ridiculous love of this film. So you you, you
0: enjoy this movie? <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, parts of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so like, I I want to say, so I had to watch it for by the previous podcast fanboy junction. And that was yeah. probably three years ago from today ish, and then before that, I think I rented it from the the library one time just to kind of check it out out of nowhere and watched it. And that was probably two or three years before then. So I think like every so often I've watched this movie. I mean, I'm like you once Batman begins comes out and those movies come out, there really isn't a reason to visit these movies, but there are parts of this movie that I really enjoy that I will always kind of go back to. Um, But as far as like front to back, it's been, like I said, I watched it the other day forgetting mm-hmm. we were doing this, but just watching it to watch it um, probably like halfway through it. I don't, I don't mind it, but I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say it's the greatest Batman movie ever. Um, but no, I, I I like I said, I think. This is one of the ones I owned on VHS up until Batman Begins came out. This is the reason I never watched the Keaton ones again. I would watch this one ever so often, so. Until then, you like, I would watch it every so often. But no, it'd been it'd been several years before eight years ago that I think I had watched it.
0: Yeah. So it was it was interesting because when I really think about it, if you know, I was a kid the last time I saw this thing. So it it was interesting to watch it as an adult where I could fully comprehend all the dialogue and the story, because as a kid, when you're watching it, you're just like, cool. Yeah, they're saying words. When do we get to the fighting? Like, Yeah. yeah as a kid I'm just as a that young I'm not absorbing the movie like I am as an adult so getting to actually uh sit and pay attention and and actually absorb everything that's being said I can say that watching this at 34 years old I have more appreciation for it than I did a week ago it's it's still not cracking my top 10 (laughs) uh but it's it's better than I had given it credit for for a long time. Um, there's some stuff in this one I I genuinely really like. There's some stuff that still sucks pretty hard, but uh, it's it's definitely more of a mixed bag than just a genuine dislike. Which uh, for me now, which I think is counts as an improvement.
1: Yeah, I, it's the thing you and I I think have discussed before, and I will say ad nauseum is like. Everything Val Kilmer and Batman in this movie is great. Yeah. The rest of the movie is kind of blah
0: or crap. (laughs) Anything related to Val Kilmer in this movie is, is excellent. Everything else you kind of have to cherry pick what you do and don't like because like, because there are times with Tommy Lee Jones on Tommy Lee Jones on screen that I am rolling my eyes hard. There are other times where I am super into what he's doing. Um, Jim Carrey even there it just there's honestly there's only one person in this movie that I genuinely do not like and that's Nicole Kidman <laughs> um, and I want to be clear I want to be clear I love Nicole Kidman just not in this movie and it's not her it's it's what they gave her to work with the the writing on Dr. Meridian is appalling um and I just her whole character just does not work for me at all.
1: Yeah, I don't mind her so much, but she is definitely like if you're looking for a progressive female character, <laughs> this she is ain't not, she, she definitely does not pass the Bechtel test. <laughs> no,
0: her character is so it like she's just there to be horny for Batman. That's literally her entire reason for existence in this movie. And it's not. It's and it. It's not. And it's not
1: good either. It's not even funny. It's just awkward. It's 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 odd. Like it doesn't. I I don't I, I don't mind it, but that's also one of those things. Like I think people, and I, I've said this before. Like you can watch a movie and go, like it doesn't bother me. I have fun with it, but I'm not gonna tell you you're wrong when you go at her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I think I'm just. I think her and Val Kilmer work well together. Do they have? Chemistry beyond being actors who are playing love interests? I don't know. No. But
0: <laughs> no, I can answer that question for yeah. you. They have no chem- well, especially because we're coming off of Batman Returns, where Michael Keaton and Michelle Pfeiffer had tangible on-screen chemistry. Yes. You then go to Val Kilmer and Nicole Kidman, who have none. It's it's very jarring.
1: It's it's well, and I think it's also one of those. This is where like, look, uh, looking at Joel Schumacher's, um, filmography. There's a lot of really good films here. Oh yeah. People give him a people
0: like to talk when they talk about Joel Schumacher, they typically only talk about three movies and that's Batman forever, Batman and Robin and the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. And, but because those like, are three objectively bad movies, but he has made some incredible films.
1: Look, around the Batman movies, he makes the client a time to kill an eight millimeter. Um yeah. I didn't mind the client. I thought eight, eight millimeter was intense but very trendy. Um, but no, I mean I think like this is where he took a job and he was but also, also remember
0: he also did the Lost Boys and St. Elmo's fire. Yes.
1: And in the number
0: 23, which I actually really like.
1: I, I've never seen it. Um but no, I think what I'm my point is, is that like sometimes you take a job as a director and the company tells you what to do and you do it. And when you I don't know if you watch the behind the scenes or the making of for Batman Forever and he talks about like they're like, we want you to soft reboot it. We want to make sure this thing's for toys. We want you to do not anything Tim Burton did in the previous one. So like when I look at that, I go yeah, that's what he did. Like he understood the assignment and he did it. Now Whether you are a huge film, you know, not being the biggest Tim Burton directing Batman fan, I didn't miss any of that, especially Batman Returns, which I will definitely say is down there with Batman versus Superman. Um, Hush, (laughs) (laughs) quiet you. (laughs) But no, I think like. Look, is the neon weird? Yes. Yeah. Is is Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones overacting like a mofo? Yes. But there's a movie that Val Kilmer and Joe Schumacher are making that we will never see. That was yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah. You can tell. I'm wondering I'm wondering how much of this movie was rewritten before they shot it and how much of it was reshot after the fact. Because I genuinely feel like there are there are pieces of a, not a great movie, but a good movie in here. And I'm wondering if, because we've, we've heard, and we should might as well, let's get this out of the way now at the top. I'm aware there's something called a Schumacher cut out there. Uh, Kevin Smith, I guess, did some kind of screening event for whatever it is. Cool. Um, Everything that, that Matt and I have read on it is just kind of like, yeah, it's a, kind of a different movie, but we're not talking about like Snyder cut levels of of difference here. We're not talking about Watchmen or BVS or Justice League levels of director's cuts. Like they were like, yeah, it's just a,
1: yep. it's
0: kind of a longer, slightly better version of the same movie.
1: I think Mike Vogel from the Geek Buddy said it best, like, cool, are Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones still the Riddler and Two-Face? The yeah. movie's not going to be any better.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's 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 that that doesn't fix that doesn't fix uh, the some of the problems like just cool. You have longer Batman scenes. I mean, I'm into that doesn't doesn't take away from the things that don't work. Yeah. Um. So so we're, we're not going to really worry about it, but just to acknowledge that it that there is the Schumacher cut out there. But yeah, every time uh, there was a Batman scene, I was just like, I feel like I'm watching a different movie, a better movie. Yes. Uh, than everything else going on um let's let's uh, let's break this down like we like we usually do so let's let's just talk let's talk production design first sure um and just kind of kind of get around that because like you mentioned like they they try to do everything as different from Tim Burton as possible um and I think specifically from the first Batman because Gotham City in in Batman returns is almost non-existent um other than that one town square that everybody hangs out and it's very well lit no matter what time of day it is uh <laughs> <laughs> different episode mike um well a lot of this gotham is the cityscapes are pretty bad early 90s cgi yes uh and i'm talking like power rangers the movie bad uh it's not great um but the times where we are on the actual city, uh, yeah, a lot of neon, a lot of colors. But it does feel like an actual city, which is an improvement over Batman Returns.
1: Yes, it's a it's a different Gotham. And the thing of it is, is I think we all now and I say we all you all, since it's not me, <laughs> have the luxury of watching these movies not being around when they came out like when you watch i was there when i saw in theaters no 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 hold on just wait (laughs) when you watch batman and batman returns like that's what the comic looks like when you get to batman forever this is what the world and comics are going to now did he now i admittedly went a little far with the neon but that was becoming a thing the painting of the faces the rave scene like the thing that kind of cracks me up is you make the joke about how sexualized Nicole Kittman's character, Chase Meridian is, is like, if you really look at, take a moment, if you look, do your homework on who Joel Schumacher is and who some of the people he was hanging out with, like this entire movie is just let's overly sexualize Batman as far as we can without anybody noticing. And somehow the nipples got through. So Yeah, i've
0: I've I've read his excuse for the the design of the for the the nipples and the cod pieces in these two movies. I don't totally buy it, but his reasoning is he wanted them to look like Greek god statues, and he wanted it. And I was like, I'm like, sure.
1: He wanted them to be sexy, and I'm not. I it doesn't work. The nipple thing doesn't work as far as making them sexy. I'm not. It, even, was it was a choice it
0: was but i but i also feel like cool you tried it in forever it didn't work you don't then jump to well, let's do it again yes We're, we just need to do it again it's like no 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 this did it, this didn't work uh move on well anyway. it,
1: and what made me laugh about this is i can remember back in this time in comic books you start getting the the um <clears throat> all the veins popping out on muscles in the costumes and it's it sh- yeah but it shows through the costume but their nipples don't show and it's like for him he was like well let's show the nipples but not the veins i don't know
0: <laughs> i know it's weird it's it's a thing apparently his apparently val kilmer's bad suit was so heavy that uh when they shot uh his first fight scene he like by like the number of takes they did and all that he lost like five pounds yep yeah.
1: Yeah. No, those, uh, those suits are not, I've worn similar stuff through cosplay yeah. and they did what they thought they were trying not to, you know, we talked about in the Batman one that they're, they're continuing yeah. on. They, they lean the suit out so he actually can be athletic and do cool fight scenes, which, you know, yeah. if we, when we get there, we'll get there. But I think that's the thing is I think this movie looks like a nineties movie. It is all the things, the oh, yeah. 90s movie. So I think comparing it to Batman Returns and Batman kind of weird because that's where everything's going. At the same yeah. time, like I was more than happy to leave that nonsense behind and embrace <laughs> this film because like I just didn't buy into a lot of what they were doing with the previous films, but sure. they all but I do have to say like this is the beginning of CGI. There's a couple of CGI stuntmen quote quote on Batman's that are yeah. weird. Yeah. But when it's actually Batman and actually stunt guys and actually things, it's perfect.
0: Yeah, when this because this movie doesn't have a ton. the most of the CGI in this movie is in the cityscape shots and that's when it looks rough. Everything else is as practical as you can be, and I think they do a decent job with the practical stuff on this. Yes. Um the the explosion work is real good. The the stunt work is fantastic. Um I, look, at one point, we have a bunch of jo- uh, Two-Face thugs chasing this Batmobile in a, in a car chase. I buy it a hell of a lot more than I do so the car chases in the Tim Burton movies. And I like the first Batman just fine. That's my favorite Batmobile. I buy the car chase in this movie a lot more.
1: Yeah. They had room really to move. Do. That car actually seem as plastic as he has it seems, it can yeah. actually move.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that I will say the Batmobile, and I'm on record. I don't like this Batmobile, but like the the body casing they were using for the driving stunts was clearly made out of like cheap rubber made plastic and styrofoam. I mean it was not well put together, but it was able to move, and honestly, that was probably so that they could do movements. But yeah, the way it, the way that those those chasings were shot made like this Batmobile could haul ass. Yeah. Um. I, I how hmm, how do you feel about the Batmobile driving up the side of the wall?
1: At that point in that movie, sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know what? This is not the weirdest thing I've seen so far. Um, I think this this is where. I think this is another one of those things that Warner Brothers is like, you have to kick up the action tenfold. Yeah. And he was like, what if the Batmobile drives up the wall and someone went, uh, sure. It's a a weird kind of homage
0: to the sixties Batman because Batman and Robin would always climb the sides of walls. Yes. Yeah. So And you see, you see that in all these movies, all the first, all of the Tim Burton and Schumacher films, you occasionally see weird homages to the Adam West, uh, Burt Ward, Batman. We get another one later in this movie. We'll talk about in a sec. Um, so like I, because they make a point of showing the windows going sideways because that's how they would shoot it. I was like, I, I think I get what this scene is trying to be. Does it work? again it's not the weirdest thing in the movie at this point uh,
1: if it hadn't had quote unquote science behind it and end with that fantastic shot of the car driving up and the explosion happening behind him i would probably been like this is kind of dumb but when that shot happens uh, i'm like look at batman go defying physics
0: but also (laughs) also something to think about all those guys are dead All those guys are dead. All those two face thugs are dead.
1: Their own problem.
0: (laughs) And let's be honest. honest, All those cars exploding at once. There are just regular ass people in those apartments that are dead. There is a lot that there is a lot of dead people in that chase sequence. A lot of dead people,
1: (laughs) a collateral damage happens. Yeah. No, this is, this is also one of those movies where like, yeah, I want to say he kills at least 10 kills 10 well, thugs well, and two face. He, he, I was gonna say,
0: he kills one person for sure. Yes. We'll get to that in a little bit, in a little while. Um, the, the, uh, but to talk about the neon thing, like specifically, why, why on the Tommy guns? Why did we need the neon on the Tommy gun drums? That's where it went too far. That's so, we- even as a kid, I remember thinking, that's weird. Why, why would I just, it just It's it's things like that where it's like these are, these are the times where it de- it's little things, but there's so many little things that it starts to kind of add up a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: I think what that does is you have to remember that this is also a time when like guns can't be in cartoons. Guns can't yeah. be in things, so you have to make them play. That's why when you go back and watch the G.I. Joe movies, they all have the same, or the G.I. Joe cartoon, they all have the same rifle and they shoot blue and red lasers. You
0: know, yeah. They're
1: not shooting actual guns. So I think part of keeping that r rating off of this film is yeah. you do random things like how do i make a look make a gun look more fun and toy you put neon on it does it look yeah. ridiculous yes but if it keeps that that the violence and the darkness away and i think that's ultimately what this entire film is is not dark not it's also
0: kind of a it's kind of it's kind of a weird way to it's like well we don't want to incur give kids the idea that that gun violence is okay So let's make the guns look like
1: toys. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not saying it was a good decision. Now we were, we were dumb in the nineties, man. We were stupid. (laughs) I mean, why did they get rid of violence, but kick up the sexuality and have this girl be a horn dog? Who knows?
0: I don't know. And and then, and then Hollywood went the other direction in the two thousands. But, uh, that's again, it's another, we'll get to that. When we get to the, to the Nolan films, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. So that, so production design wise, there's not a whole lot to say other than just like, yeah, it's just the opposite of everything Tim Burton was doing. Yeah. Um, let's talk, let's talk casting. let cause I think that's, I think the casting of this movie is where you hit most of your, the things people have, have issues with is, sure. is who's playing who in this. Um, let's, let's say right now, um, we know how I feel about Nicole Kidman in this. I, I don't, I don't like I don't like her character. I don't like the way her character is written. I think Nicole Kidman does a good job selling what they're selling what they're selling. But I mean, I mean, let's look, let, let's be honest. This movie came out when I was six years old. This movie awakens some things in six-year-old Mike uh, with Nicole Kidman watching it as an adult. I'm just like, this is all it doesn't even make sense. She's a she's a she's a criminal pathologist or psychologist or whatever. Why would she be at a, at a active crime scene? There's no reason for her to be, there's no way she would be there. There's no way she would be there.
1: <laughs> I think she. yeah, there's definitely.
0: Especially not at the invitation of the commissioner. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's, this is one of those times where I look at like, what did you want to do that you had to do this? You know, like as far as the actress, like what, what is like, um,
0: what, what, what did, what role did you really want that you did this to like, cause I'm looking at her, I'm looking at her filmography right now. I'm pulling it up anyway. Um, cause I'm curious cause this is about the time where, you know, Nicole Kidman is really starting to hit it big. Uh, cause I mean, uh, let's see here. 95, she uh she had already done far and away with tom cruise which was which was okay um but eyes wide shut isn't for another four years um yeah she she is Practical magics a few years later she is
1: known but she is not a commodity yet like that's kind yeah. of what you have to look at as like
0: and there's nothing around here in particular that is like that I'm looking at is like, Oh, that's the thing that put her over. Cause like she does the peacemaker with George Clooney a few years later, but that wasn't like a massive hit. The next like really big hit that I can, that I'm noticing is probably, uh, either, either practical magic or eyes wide shut. Cause those were both fairly popular movies when they came out. Um,
1: yeah. Cause if it, you look at, you look at her stuff from this time, like she's just the, the love interest. Yeah. for a lot of this stuff. Uh, Days of Thunder, Far and Away, Jeez. Malice, yeah. Billy Bathgate, like she's just kind of my life, which is a very good movie. Oh, uh,
0: yeah. No, that's, that's heartbreaking,
1: a very good but very good movie. But yeah. it's like to die for is what explodes her, which is at the comes out at is the same. Her movie. and
0: her and Joaquin Phoenix. Yes,
1: that's okay. the movie that changes her career. And yeah. she does it the same year as Batman Forever. So I think after that is when, you know, she just starts getting into becoming the actress we know now. But at the time, she yeah. was, this was the role she was getting. And, and I think like yeah. she does this so she can get the other thing. But it's, it's because,
0: because six years later, she does Moulin Rouge and that's where she
1: skyrockets.
0: Skyrockets. I love Moulin Rouge as a musical guy. I love, I love I'm a musical theater kid. I love Moulin Rouge. I hate
1: that movie, but I'll tell you later why.
0: That's fine. Um, well, And then she also does The Others right after that, which The Others is interesting. Um,
1: yeah. So like two or three yeah, years it, after she does this movie is when she climbs up to becoming... Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Pardon me. Who she is now. So I think that's where you get that whole like, hey, she probably got a lot of money to be in this movie and yeah. got put in the right positions to do more of what she wanted. But you're right. Like I can't... I'm not going to say it's she's fantastic and just a great role. She's just this damsel in distress, love interest, and they, as I said earlier, this whole movie's about sex, and they certainly make sure she's part of that equation. <laughs> it's
0: it's it's interesting too when you look at like who they were looking at for this role before it went to her because originally they when it was still going to be Michael Keaton they had cast Renee Russo. Um, and I'm and I'm I'm trying to look at these actresses I'm going to list in the role of Chase Meridian and I don't know if any of them would have necessarily worked because you also had here were the here were the top names they were looking at S- Sandra Bullock, Robin Wright, Gene Triplehorn and Linda Hamilton.
1: It's weird to me to think like all of those people would have worked very well with Michael Keaton.
0: Would have worked amazing with Michael Keaton.
1: But then you and Renee Russo as well. Yeah, Renee they, Russo works great with everybody, but let's not get onto that right now. <laughs> she's,
0: <laughs> she's 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 incredible. Um, all of these actresses are, are fantastic in their own right, even Nicole Kidman as well. But when you think about what this character is, the psychiatrist that's super horny for Batman. Yeah, there's not a name on this list that makes me go, oh yeah especially Linda Hamilton. Linda Hamilton is 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 beautiful. She's the action star, badass like yeah. get sweaty, get dirty and break some heads. Not I'm going to go I'm going to go turn on the I'm going to put on a naked get naked wear a white silk sheet and and drag it to my balcony to make out with Batman. Like it's it's just it really makes me wonder how this character was written before, you know, before you know what I mean. Yes, I, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's
1: weird. It, it and it's like, well, let's get to that cast. I think casting Jim Carrey alters this film completely. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Well, because
0: it's one of those, I get why they cast Jim Carrey. This is when Jim Carrey is at his peak. Yes. I mean, he's doing Ace Ventura and Cable Guy, and he's doing uh, the other Ace Ventura, and he's he's doing movie, Dumb and Dumber. I mean, this is when he is putting out a movie every a couple of movies a year, and they're all huge comedic blockbusters at the chats. time. Yeah. He was the biggest name in comedy at the time yeah so because i think we're not because we're only a couple of years away from him doing the grinch for crying out loud so it's him getting picked for this i mean makes sense it's just not good <laughs> yeah
1: it it's yeah it's you get into the money-making machine of batman becoming the the cash cow of warner brothers and the ingredients for that are all in what they're casting here like val kilmer's yeah like he's a big name at this point. You know, he's this is after Tombstone. This is after, you know, this is um, after,
0: to, after Top Gun, after The Client. I mean, he's
1: Yeah, he's 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 on the rise with a lot of this stuff.
0: Yeah. Um I the, the he does The Saint after this.
1: Correct, correct. Um uh, but no, I I think like yeah, Nicole Kidman's an odd choice. She does what she's supposed to. It's just not something that ages very well (laughs) it's 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 interesting too because
0: they they took renee russo out because they felt that she was too old for val kilmer keep in mind she was only six years older than him at the time so instead they cast nicole kidman who is eight years younger than val kilmer it's it's
1: val kilmer plays young that's all it is he does he does at the time
0: at the time time. (laughs) um well, with, as far as Jim Carrey, too, here's some of the names they looked at for Edward Nigma. And these names are all over the place. Okay. They looked at Brad Dorif, who was actually Tim Burton's original pick for for the Joker, um, Kelsey Grammer, Mickey Dolans, Matthew Broderick, Phil Hartman, and Steve Martin all were looked at for playing Edward Nigma.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: I don't know how I feel about any of those names.
1: Steve Martin can do no wrong, sir. so let's just say that uh,
0: that that goes without question, <laughs> but would it have made this movie better? I don't know.
1: He wouldn't have gone nuts but who knows no,
0: know. it would have been it would have been it would have been an acid trip and a half I just I think that so i I know that, that the Riddler wasn't was a was a Schumacher add-on. This was originally just but when Tim Burton was doing this movie, it was just supposed to be two face okay. riddler was a schumacher add-on to up the up the the silliness basically to make warner brothers happy so it just yeah it's it's clear to me that riddler was never part of their plan so they were just looking at well who's popular in comedy right now well kelsey Grammer's crushing it on fraser you know matthew broderick is you know that's ferris bueller let's get him you know steve martin steve martin phil hartman is the king of snl at this point they were looking for somebody who was funny
1: yeah and they pull in Which, Jim Carrey, who's make, bringing in big numbers. Yeah. Give him a character that he probably shouldn't have been. I think your idea that you texted the other day would have been better. Considering He everything. should have been the Mad Hatter. He
0: should have been the Mad Hatter. Everything about the Riddler's plot with mind control and mind manipulation, it screams Mad Hatter. And frankly, the characterization of Edward Nigma feels more like a Mad Hatter. In, in the way it's portrayed. If he had just been the mad hatter, I honestly feel like that fixes a lot of this m- movie's tone issue or at least it makes the tone make sense. Yeah. Because it really it really feels like Jim Carrey was trying to do his own take on Frank Gorshin's Riddler and it it just it just wasn't it wasn't it. Yeah. Um I I think now I I think we'd be remiss if we didn't address the Robin Williams controversy with this. Go ahead. Um so for those who don't know, it's, it's been a longstanding uh, rumor in Hollywood that Robin Williams was, was, was originally supposed to play the Riddler in this, which is half true. So Robin Williams has a long tried history with when it comes to Batman stuff. So the way that Tim Burton got Jack Nicholson to sign on to be the Joker was I guess he told them that they were considering Robin Williams for it. And that's what got Jack Nicholson to want to take it. Mm-hmm. That is actually not true. They were never considering Robin Williams. They just told Jack Nicholson that. Correct. They offered they they reached out to Robin Williams about playing the Riddler, but I guess he had found out that they had used his name as leverage to get Jack Nicholson, who's a friend of his, and he didn't like that. So he told them, No, I I don't like the way that you guys have manipulated people using my name. I'm I'm not interested. Uh, so that's the story behind Robin Williams, possibly playing Riddler. He was never actually cast. He was offered the role, but he turned them down because, you know, they'd kind of used his name for their own benefit. He would actually be offered. Uh, and then we'll, we'll get more into this when we talk about dark Knight rises, but he was also supposed to be the villain of the third Nolan movie, but that's another story for when we get to that, when we get to that movie, um, they also considered, uh, well let's let's talk let's talk about tommy lee jones as as two-face here okay there are times in this movie i really like tommy lee jones as as harvey dent two-face when he gets dark when it gets sinister when he gets genuinely creepy and evil i'm in it's 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 when honestly he's,
1: when he's not trying to match jim carrey's zaniness yeah he's great he, he's like it's solid like i'm i'm there
0: once jim carrey enters the movie once once the plot gets started with this movie is where it starts to fall apart because you and i have said on other shows and we should we haven't said it yet this show and i'm surprised the first like 15 minutes of this movie slap
1: yeah (laughs) they are the most batman of any live action batman movies Uh, him doing all the things
0: that opening sequence feels like it's right out of the Bruce Timm animated series from the 90s. It's so good. Um it's it's excellent. I I am enjoying Two-Face at that point. But it immediately after that scene is where the plot kicks in because that's where we go to meet Edward Nigma and and all that. And then that's where things start to get messy. But the that Tommy Lee Jones and Val Kilmer at times feel like they're in a different movie. And I think this is why I think that when it comes to that whole Schumacher cut thing, I feel like they shot the movie they wanted and then had to go back and reshoot. It doesn't feel like a rewrite situation. It feels like a reshoot situation. Or
1: like halfway through the movie, they pick yeah. up Jim Carrey to be the Riddler and they film his stuff. You Maybe. know, well, it, it, it happens. I mean, look at uh, what's it does it? Happen. look at the first X-Men movie. They were eight weeks into filming before they cast Hugh Jackman.
0: Well, that also it happened with the Amazing Spider-Man 2. There was a whole subplot with Mary Jane Watson in that movie, and then they went back and redid that they'd shot scenes for. Yeah, they got rid of. They had of somebody it. cast and everything, and then they decided to push her stuff into the third movie. And they went back and reshot and cut out all her stuff, and then she dropped out. And then the movie wasn't good, so it doesn't matter. Um, I'm really, but <laughs> I'm I'm into Tommy Lee Jones a fair amount in this movie. It's you're right. It's when he's it's when he's on screen acting against jim carrey and it's it's famously known those two didn't like each other um that that it, it gets probably not problematic but just hard to watch
1: yeah it, it, it just gets of you get two jokers you don't get a two-face and a riddler you get two, you get two jokers two-jokers. and it gets a bit much and it gets a bit like i'm just don't want to watch this i don't want to see this this isn't what i'm here for um no.
0: I like the duality of Two Face. That's why people like Two Face so much, and that's why Tommy Lee Jones took the role. I guess his son like he loves Two Face, and so that's why he took it. Um, do you know who, other than Billy D. Williams, do you know who else was up for the for the role of Two Face? I don't. Uh, Al Pacino, Clint Eastwood, Martin Sheen, and Robert De Niro.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, those are the names he looked at. So originally, it was going to go to Billy D. because Billy D. actually had it in his contract that if they used Two Face in this film series, they would use him. But he was so not on board with with the script. He's like, "Well, I don't want to be in this movie." And they said, "Well, we want to do Two Face." He's like, "Well, you can't do it without me." And so, rather than just write a different villain, they they paid Billy D. a shitload of money to buy him out of his contract. Yep. Um, but yeah, they looked at Pacino, Eastwood, Sheen and De Niro. Honestly, of those of that list of names, I think Tommy Lee Jones was probably the best one because I think he would have I, I, I think he did the most with what he had. I, I just I don't know. I don't know about any of those other ones, especially when you think about going up against uh, Jim Carrey.
1: Yeah,
0: I just I don't know. I mean, thinking about it in 2023 eyes, maybe De Niro or Pacino. But at, at that time in the nineties in ninety five, no. Absolutely not. No. Tommy Lee Jones can be funny. He's he, Tommy Lee Jones can be a good straight man in a comedy.
1: Dude, men in
0: black. Look at men in black. Yeah, I say look at men in black. Like it, it's just, it's just yeah. I, I think his two face stuff would work a lot better on its own. It's having the Riddler in there and which creates that uneven tone is where it gets hit um Robin uh you know <laughs> Chris, Chris O'Donnell is Robin in this movie is it's fine it's honestly he he's better in this than he is in Batman and Robin is about all I can say
1: I mean I like I think you either make him the motorcycle guy or make him the earring guy don't do both yeah. um I think he's solid in the role i think that getting somebody to be the robin next to michael keaton he's perfect for that even more so with val kilmer because val kilmer's a bigger guy um i just think it's you know i think we talked about on the phone is like they never establish how old he really is so if he's in high school
0: the closest they get is when is when val kilmer is, is when bruce says how about dick grayson college students like okay so he's either a freshman in college or about to go to college yeah is what it seems like
1: so i think that it's odd that you don't specify that And i know they don't want to per se but it's like then why does he stay with the wayne like why is he invited by like there's there's something that's missing in this movie that explains like, you know, I, I don't know if it's even interesting, but just have someone like, you know, with his parents gone, he doesn't want to go on the, he doesn't want to continue with the circus. I, you know, and then Bruce Wayne say, look, I'll take him in, let him stay with me for, you know, there's a little, there's a a
0: scene scene in between that needed to happen.
1: Just something that gives a little Uh. more as to why, he ends up there but then once he's there like it's fine it, yeah. you know the, the the laundry thing is stupid as crap
0: oh it's so it's i remember as a six-year-old i was like that was stupid <laughs> it's yeah. it's a it's a it's it's a dub sequence i get why but it's like, there but it's, it's still bad
1: but given the whole like he's not a little stupid kid or that he he's like no something must be behind there and then when he steals the batmobile and fights all those guys it's dumb but at the same time like at least we're seeing like this isn't some dude who's just an idiot who can't do like he he's physical he can do the things i mean i don't know if he should still have been robin instantaneously but i think that they it does kind of show he's more than just this acrobat punk who can do nothing which i thought was I, I had fun with that. I'll take that, especially because that's Don the Dragon Wilson that he fights at the, the get. So.
0: Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I. All the stuff in the middle, like like every like all the stuff with his parents getting killed and him going to live with Bruce, other than just eating just, just that little bit of plot establishment is fine. And kind of like where he ends up at the end is fine. It's all the stuff in the middle with him that I don't that I don't like because it's it's so uneven and unclear what's going on like he goes from just being just a weird kind of moody teenager who's feeling guilty about his parents dying to I'm gonna track down Harvey Dent and kill him myself and you're and I'm gonna work with Batman to do it it's like the the motivation goes back and forth and there's no there's no time to see that anger grow it's just suddenly he's just i just i it's one of those like if they had put another 20 minutes in this movie i'm not saying the movie isn't long enough but i just feel like there should have been there there's like a there's like 20 minutes of character development that that grayson needs in this movie that's just kind of missing
1: and that's Um, allegedly in all of these deleted scenes yeah
0: so so that's that's kind of where i that's where i'm missing out as far as this movie goes with Robin is is just like I just wanted more of the development of the character of Robin because he really doesn't no have any he doesn't he has no character development in this movie and I think uh, that
1: like yeah I would have much rather seen more of the scenes between the two of them instead of the scenes with Two Face and Riddler
0: a thousand percent because as good a job as Val Kilmer is doing in this movie and as Doing his best with what he's got that Chris O'Donnell is doing. I wanted to see more scenes of the two of them because there's 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 a lot of Dick Grayson and Alfred in this movie. Yeah. And I actually, but but and I enjoy those, but that's mostly because you've got Michael Goff as Alfred, and Michael Goff as Alfred is the gold standard. Yes. Um so those scenes like that scene where when Dick first moves in and Alfred's helping him put his clothes away and he's talking about the robin on his motorcycle helmet. Love that scene. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. More of that, please. That was such a good scene. Um, It just, but I just want more. It's just not enough of it. Is the problem? Um, Do you know who else was considered for the role of Robin before before uh, Leonardo
1: DiCaprio was
0: Leonardo DiCaprio? Well, so originally Marlon Wayans had been cast for Batman Returns with that guy cut. We talked about that last time. Leonardo DiCaprio was the big one they were considering. Um, but I guess he met Joel Schumacher and said, absolutely not. He did not like Joel Schumacher, did not want to work with him. Uh, some other names they considered Corey Haim, Corey Feldman, Mark Wahlberg, Michael Wirth, Danny Dyer, Toby Stevens, Ewan McGregor, Jude Law, Alan Cumming, Christian Bale, and Scott Speedman. Sure. What I mean? Those are all age appropriate at the time. (laughs) At the time. I mean, knowing what I know about them now, I mean, I love you and McGregor, <laughs> yeah. um as an actor. I mean, I, but again, it's 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 hard for me to really because this is not my preferred take on Robin. This is I, you know, I have problems with the way Robin's executed in this movie. So it's hard for me to say that any of them would have done a better job because they all would have been handed the same script. And I don't like the script that Robin got in this movie, so I can't really say whether or not any of them would have done better just different I guess would different it would have been but different would have been different
1: yeah no I, I like I don't have a problem with his casting. I have a problem with what they what ends up on the floor in lieu of crap that is stupid yeah and and that's where like. Dude, this like one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when he does that whole like, how about Dick Grayson college student? You can't stop me. And Val Kilmer stands up. and He's like, I can stop. I can stop. And even Dick Grayson's like, <clears throat> yeah, well, I'm not going to stop. You know, I love yeah. that moment because like. For me, and I'm not saying Val Kilmer is some super intimidating dude, but there's nothing in me that ever believes Michael <laughs> Keaton ever could be Batman. And so I just like that there's some moments every so often that Val Kilmer would do something like, oh yeah, no. Well,
0: Val, Val Kilmer is, is chiseled for this movie. I mean, in that scene you're talking about, he's, you know, sh- shirtless, getting bandaged, Val Kilmer can ruin somebody's day at uh, the shape he's in, in this movie. Yeah. Um, and, and since we're talking about him, I mean, let's talk about Val Kilmer's Batman in this movie. So great. he's good he's very good Val Kilmer is very good as Batman in this movie he has one of the best Batman voices it's Mm -hmm. very good Mm -hmm. in the first scene when he climbs up in the helicopter you need help Harvey I was like oh yes Mm, yes yeah (laughs) love that uh or that that line that that I can stop you when he when he when he goes into his office at at Wayne Enterprises and goes lock yeah. It's, yeah, he's got a great Batman growl. It's very. What, good. what is
1: that? That, that like? um Bats aren't rodents, Doctor.
0: Bats aren't <laughs> rodents, Doctor. He's, he's got this quiet intensity that I'm super into, I, and I know that I know that they used his bat suit as the one for Robert Pattinson to screen test in. Same with for, um, for the Batman. Same
1: with Christian Bale.
0: Same with Christian Did Bale. You go
1: back and look at the the his test. Oh, is it that? Is it that suit? It, okay. Yeah. I, I
0: notice some similarities in Robert Pattinson's Batman voice that I do with Val Kilmer's. And I'm wondering if he took inspiration from that.
1: It's it dude, he's still my favorite Batman. Like I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Like so far, I mean, you know, Pattinson does some amazing things, but Pattinson's Bruce Wayne does. So <laughs> Josh, you, <laughs> but I think that like, so Val Kilmer, like I was a fan of his before. Maybe that's what it is. But even just watching this movie the other day, I'm like, there's just so much he's doing here, in my opinion. Like the thing for me is above everybody else, I always feel like Val Kilmer plays. I'm always Batman and I dress up Bruce as Bruce Wayne. I don't think anybody else ever does that. They say it and they talk about it, but they don't do it. You know what I mean? And I think that there's something about what he's doing that that weird like veneer of bruce wayne is always on top of batman when he's bruce wayne and you know it kind of cracks me up because i was watching something the other earlier the honest trailer for this movie and they're like you know val kilmer isn't charming as bruce wayne blah 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 blah. and i'm like no you can just see that val kilmer's batman is putting up with being bruce wayne for when he needs to so he can be batman again
0: (laughs) yeah there's there's there, there's moments in this movie where you can tell they were trying to explore Bruce Wayne, the the struggle between being Batman and being Bruce Wayne. And we know that that was that was meant to be a bigger part of it from what we've heard about the Schumacher cut. And those are the moments in this movie that really show how good how dialed in Val Kilmer is with this. Um, I I really am was blown away at how much I really enjoyed his performance and, and rewatching it for for doing this breakdown he was, he was really that. And I, I I did, I did a lot of reading on this obviously. So he accepted the role without knowing who the director was or even seeing a script. He was overshooting the ghost in the darkness, which is an excellent Val Kilmer movie. And if you need something of his that you want to watch very much recommend the ghost in the darkness. Um, But he was overshooting that in Africa when his agent called him and said, Hey, they're looking at you for Batman. And he was like, yeah, yeah, just, just yes. Um, Which is, Hilarious when you get into the stories on set where him and Joel Schumacher did not like each other, (laughs) uh, did not get along at all. Uh, Schumacher, both of them claim it was the other person's fault. Um, Do you know any of the other names they were looking at for Batman for this movie?
1: Um, I don't. I can look so,
0: it up. <laughs> uh, I've, got, I've got it right here. Do it. Um, so after after losing uh, Michael Keaton, deciding to go with the younger actor, they first made an offer to Ethan Hawke. I have mixed feelings about that. Um, I I uh, Ethan Hawke. Uh, no. They also looked at, uh, so Schumacher got the idea for Val Kilmer after seeing him in Tombstone, obviously.
1: Okay.
0: Um, he was also interested in Keanu Reeves. Mm. Uh Alec and Alec and William Baldwin, Dean Cain, okay. Tom Hanks, Kurt Russell, Ray Fines, Daniel Day-Lewis, and Johnny Depp.
1: So every actor age-appropriate at that time.
0: Every age-appropriate <laughs> actor for the time. Tim Burton, because they reached out to Tim Burton. Tim Burton still, like, consulted yeah. on parts of the production of the movie. Uh, he highly recommended Johnny Depp for Batman, Bruce Wayne in this one. I like Johnny Depp. Hard pass. Uh, Keanu Reeves would go on to voice Batman in the DC league of super pets, which is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Ray fines, of course, would go on to play Alfred and Lego Batman movie. And, uh, Dean Cain was passed on because they were like, he's already Superman.
1: Yeah.
0: On, uh, on Lois and Clark. We don't want him in this. I cannot see Daniel day Lewis playing Batman. I, no. Daniel day Lewis is one of the greatest living actors. Don't see it working.
1: Um, I think it'd make a great Lex Luthor. But I can't see him being oh, a hero. Man. Uh oh, did I break your head again? Hang on, hang
0: on. I'm I'm living in that world for a little bit. That's a that's a fun world to live in. Danity loses is Lex Luthor. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that just kind of blew my mind a little bit. I kind of like yeah. that idea. Metropolis, oh. I drink your milkshake. Oh, man, I'm into that. James Gunn, if I know you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> I know you probably already have somebody else cast but I'm just saying uh <laughs> um yeah I I really like and, and again I'm I'm a young man when this movie comes out so I this is the first thing I see Val Kilmer in obviously yeah. at six years old and I'm super into Val Kilmer again after you know because when I saw the first trailer for the Saint, I told my mom, mom, we got to go see that Batman's in it now. uh, She didn't let me see it because that movie is not for six year old kids. Um, But it's, but I get fascinated with Val Kilmer, even at such a young age that like, as I got to be older, I started going back and watching Val Kilmer movies, you know, obviously like stuff like Tombstone. Um, Val Kilmer nails it as Batman in this movie. It's just, it's just everything around him. That's,
1: the, like I, I, I've said it before. Yeah. I'll say it again. The movie Val Kilmer thinks he's making is the movie I want to see. He absolutely. is
0: absolutely
1: seriously robbed f- of a great Batman film with this movie, and I and I hate it. And me, I also love talk. that that he said they asked him to come back to be for Batman and Robin, and he read the script and was yeah. like, the moment he saw Batman on skates, he was like, I don't want to do this movie. Just-
0: yeah, because he learned from his mistakes because he said yes to Batman Forever without reading a script or knowing he was directing it. And then he did not get along with Joel Schumacher. And so his agent was probably like, hey, read this one before you say yes, because you didn't have a good time making Batman Forever. And it's good that he did because he yeah, he saw Batman on ice skates and said, nope, I'm out where would they hide where would they go in his boots that doesn't make any sense how would they how would they hide inside is busy wearing crazy platform heels that doesn't make sense
1: which Uh, it made me laugh because when i finally did watch batman and robin i'm like that happens on the first five minutes of the movie so he was out fast (laughs) he was he was that's that's
0: maybe if it's five minutes into the movie odds are it was probably 10 pages into the script yeah <laughs> he probably got 10 pages into the script and was and was probably already on on the fence to begin with yeah. and was probably just like nope nope i'm yeah. out um overall the story of this movie doesn't really exist if you no. want to talk story beats here this there's really not a story to this movie there's a series of scenes that involve various DC Batman-related characters. There's not really a. There's not really much of a plot. No. There's not much of a story here.
1: And whatever um, story did exist is on the cutting room floor again. felt Not yeah. feel like a broken record in lieu of more Jim Carrey schlock. Which yeah. I know I, so we were, I know so we weren't going to talk
0: about the Schumacher cut a whole lot in this, but it kind of feels like we keep going back to it, and it's just because this yeah it's it's just it's just the stuff in here that works alludes to a movie that we didn't get to see
1: yeah um, um
0: well i don't i don't have a whole heck of a lot else to say about this other than just this begins a long-running trend in the 90s of bad movies having awesome soundtracks because because the, the score by uh elliot's oh what's his last name um
1: mm. uh, do you Elliot talk about Golden,
0: that. Okay. Yeah, Elliot Goldenthal, who, you know, repurposed a lot of the stuff that Danny Elfman did, um, put together a decent score. I mean, the, the score is pretty decent, but then like this in the nineties, it was real big with these movies having these like uh jukebox soundtracks of just yeah. you know pop and rock songs. And I will say this as Batman Forever and Batman and Robin both, they're 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 uh they're mix their mixtape soundtracks, good stuff. Yes. Great, great, great music on both soundtracks. I mean, we get Kiss from a Rose. One of the greatest songs ever written by Seal is from this movie. Don't tell me your heart doesn't start beating hard when that song starts. When you're no, you get jazzed every time you hear it. Um great soundtracks. Other than that, I don't have a whole lot else to say about these movies because about this movie in particular because a lot of it just comes down to the cast
1: yeah uh the 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 big thing i will say is i think the other thing i want to bring up is just how much better the action is in this movie i mean not only do they have more action scenes you get like one or two maybe three car chase scenes alone but just the action and the movement of batman i mean they it's like some of the stunt guys were like look we got to lean out this suit I don't know if it's the stunt guys or the fact that Val Kilmer is just a taller, leaner man than Michael Keaton so they can lean the suit out. But he is able to move. And it's not just the fighting. Like, you can tell he can walk around. He can turn his head. He can interact with people and not look like he's a rubber brick. And I think that gives you get a lot better, cooler martial arts action. Because that's my thing. Is like there's no martial arts in the previous two films. Like, he does a kick in the first movie maybe two in the third one he does or the second one he does like three he's doing spin kicks he's doing flips he has that great moment where he breaks up the party comes down through does the forward spinning flip like the fact that joel schumacher ups the ante with the action i mean i know warner brothers probably told him he needed to but it is ridiculous how much better batman moves and fights in this movie from the previous two and i would dare say even in some of the other movies that have happened after (laughs) Like, like that fight. When he comes out of the elevator and fights those thugs, it's great.
0: It was such that that whole fight is such a great homage to the 89 Batman because we see a very similar fight up in the top of the uh the church tower towards the end of the 89 batman but also he gets a great indiana jones moment in that where he breaks up the party where he lands and the guy comes at him and does crazy martial arts and then he just kicks him in the face and yeah. it's just like, i i know to quote tommy lee jones i cannot sanction your buffoonery um i have things to do people to save um the the action sequences in this movie are insane and especially when you look at the previous two movies the the like Batman and Batman Returns are not action movies. This is an action movie. There's yeah. there's fighting. There's martial arts. There's explosions. Um, there's 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 cool gadgets. I also like that they simplified the gadgets for this movie um, to just good, effective use of grappling hooks and batarangs. But I will say the grappling hook kind of becomes the accidental star of both Schumacher movies because most of the big gadget stunts. Involve grappling hooks, yeah. Um, and and the only thing I'll say about the opening action sequence, as cool as it is, bullshit. That grappling hook. Uh, the 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 thing with the <laughs> safe. The sequence with the safe is stupid. I I will say yes. this. I love everything about that opening action sequence, but the thing with the safe is stupid. The way that ends, where it just slide, where they just reverse the footage from from the first scene it's pretty stupid um that's the only thing i'll say about that but it defies physics it defies yeah it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but yeah the action in this movie i read i read when i was reading up on this they made over a hundred different bat suits over a hundred different bat suits because they were like we're gonna use these for all kinds of stunts and uh action sequences so they had they to quote batman begins they had plenty of spares
1: yeah. And I think that's where, you know, when you get to the MCU and they're making a suit that will do everything, it helps. But no, I, I that was my big thing because Rumble in the Bronx comes out in 96 and that's the Jackie Chan movie. That's ridiculous. But it changes the landscape of action films in American cinema for the next eight or ten years um, to horribleness to my what i would say but the fact that this movie happens before that film comes and has the level of action it does i think is amazing and um yeah it, it's what makes me love this movie val kilmer the action all the Batmanness of the batman it's just it's what i i watch i go back and watch it and but again like val kilmer's my favorite but i can't defend the film because there's everything else <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it's Batman Forever is, is it's an interesting movie. It's and watching it again, you know, after 20 years and not seeing it, watching it as an adult, I could find a lot of new things to uh, appreciate about this movie. Um, and it's it's obviously one of Matt's Matt Matt and has already had a long longer enjoyment of it than I have. And so now I can kind of see where he's coming from on a lot of things. I I, I get why Val Kilmer is is your favorite Batman, because he's really good in this movie um so that's what we think of batman batman forever guys it's it's if you haven't watched it in a long time it's really easy to 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 rope this in with batman and robin and just kind of dismiss them both if you haven't watched batman forever in a while give it a shot it's on max take an evening or an afternoon or whatever and watch it while you're eating lunch or dinner or something. And and you might find uh some some refreshed enjoyment, some things to enjoy about this movie, because I certainly did. Um, and of course we want to hear what you guys have to say about it. So make sure you let us know. You can find the show on Twitter at We Are the Batman. You can find me on Twitter at Mr. Mike Shea.
1: You can find me on Twitter at Mr. J Ninja.
0: That is going to do it for this week's episode of We Are the Batman. We'll be back again next month with a new Batman breakdown and next week with a brand new episode of the show. Until then, make sure you guys join us next time. Same Bat time, same Bat podcast channel.
1: Bye bye.